116th Psalm, if you would. Let's go ahead and stand. And uh, we'll read the 116th Psalm this morning. This is an absolutely great psalm. Psalm 116, verse 1, he says, I love the Lord, because He hath heard my voice and my supplications, because He hath inclined His ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech Thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord. And righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto, my, unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For I was delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I'll take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. O Lord, I am, truly I am Thy servant. I am Thy servant and the son of Thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning I'm 100% sure that you gave me a message. I'm 100% sure that you've spoken to me. And I'm 100% sure that there's literally no way possible that in and of myself I'm going to be able to get the, the point of this thing across to anybody. It's something that even for me has taken years to get wherever I might be with it. And Lord, I, I just need you this morning. I ask you please to somehow, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your words, open up this passage and the, the point of this message to the hearts and minds of every individual in this room. Lord, no matter where they're at, maybe one here today is lost and dead in trespasses and sins, and according to the Bible, their natural man cannot perceive these things. They're spiritually discerned. So I pray you'd work on them by your spirit and help them to understand what's being said to the point where they can respond to the point of this message in a way that changes their eternity. And Lord, for the rest of us who are here this morning and are saved, we ask you by the power of God's spirit to open this thing up to our hearts and help us to get a hold of this on another level, a level we, we've never felt or experienced or understood before. And Lord, only you can do it. So we just give this time to you and look to you to do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. You can be seated. When I look at verse number one, I love the fact that the psalmist is unabashedly and unashamedly 
saying, I love the Lord. I sure hope you can say that this morning. I mean, do you love the Lord? I love Him. Now, the spiritual thing to say is, well, you know, our heart's deceitful and desperately wicked, and, well, I don't love Him like I should, and, well, if I really loved the Lord, then I would this, that, and the other. But you notice the psalmist doesn't delve into any of that. He just says, yes, I love the Lord. I just, I just want the whole world to know for time and eternity, I want to be unashamed about it. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now naturally in your human nature, no real red-blooded man is going to stand up and say, I love God. I love another man. You think about the thought of that thing, that's pretty mind-blowing to say. You live in a twisted and a perverted and a messed up world. This love that we're talking about is, is a love like the love of a father for a son or a son reciprocating that love toward a father. I want to say this morning that I don't care what anybody says or thinks about me. And actually to me, I think it's extremely manly to be able to stand up in public and say, I unashamedly love the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't apologize for that and I'm not embarrassed of it. I love Him. And I want to love Him more. Think about it this way, because again, those of us that are honest and fair and Bible believers and understand all of our shortcomings and faults and failures, which we'll get into in a minute, and how our shortcomings have to do with the point of the message. All of us would say, yeah, but I don't love them like I should. I, I find excuses to not come to church when I could have been there. And I, I skip days in praying when I should have prayed. And I don't read my Bible as much as I should read my Bible. And I fall to temptations I shouldn't be fallen to. I should be past that at this point in my life. And all the rest of those things come into our thoughts when we think about loving the Lord. You always see somebody who is more spiritual than you are or loves the Lord more than you are or has given themselves more fully to the Lord than you have or sacrificed more for the Lord than you did and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I guess I don't really love the Lord because look at brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Look at what they went through and didn't quit or look at what they gave up for the Lord and what God did with their life and I'm kind of a nobody. But that's not in the passage. All that's in the passage is a man that's honestly saying, I love the Lord. Let's put it this way. Let's kind of make it really practical in real life. Gentlemen, when you say, I love my wife, do you then immediately begin to back up and say, well, not like I should? No, sir. Honey, I love you, but you know, not like I should. <laughs> I mean, you know, you mean a lot to me and everything, but I really, you know, I mean, I know I fail and I know that I don't love you like I should love you and I probably should love you more than I love you and I'm trying to love you more, but I don't really know. I mean, I do love you, but I don't think I love you enough because my heart's deceitful and desperately wicked and I guess I love me more than I love you and you know, honey, but I love you. You wouldn't do that, would you? Not if you've been married any length of time at all or plan to stay married. You know what you say? You say, honey, I love you. And you know what you mean? You mean I love you. What you don't mean is, honey, I'm the perfect husband. You know what you look at your kids and you say, I love you. You don't say, I love you, but not like I should love you because sometimes I really want to choke you. <laughs> not you, you're a great kid. Your parents never feel that way. You just say, I love you. 
I mean, do you love your life? What? Just don't respond. This is something to think about. Do you love your wife like you really should? I mean, can't we all work on that? Do you love your husband like you should? Can't we all work on that? You really love your kids or your grandkids like you should? I mean, I think we could all work on that. But the fact of the matter is, is that you love your wife, you love your kids, you love your grandkids. And love is a powerful thing. I know you thought you'd never see the day you're all going to leave here praying for me, wondering what's going on with me, but I want to preach to you about love. And when I want to talk about love, I don't want to talk about, I don't want you to think, I don't want you to think anything the way this world programs you to think. I could care less about Valentine's Day. I mean, right now in the preaching, I care greatly about Valentine's Day between <laughs> me and my Valentine. But I think it was Valentine's Day banquet that I first accidentally slipped and told her I love her. And I didn't realize it came out of my mouth. I was like, oh! And she got tears and I was like, oh, this is sweet. I must have meant it because that was 23 years ago now. Listen, I'm not talking about this world's kind of love. What I want to talk about, with God's help, I want, I want to pray that every foul, wicked, godless, depraved, nasty spirit gets rebuked in the name of Jesus Christ and out of this stinking room and out of your mind and your heart. And I want the power of God to be here in this room this morning. I'm not rebuking evil spirits. I'm saying I'm praying that God does and that your thoughts can be right about love. The first time love is mentioned in the Bible, it is the love of a father for his son. It is a pure, sacrificial, not about me, all about pouring everything into you because I care about you. It was Abraham with his son Isaac. It's a pure love. This world doesn't know pure love. But I'll tell you about something about the love of God. It is a pure love. It is what this world's trying to imitate and fake and figure out and pretend and is doing an absolutely miserable job getting it accomplished. The psalmist could actually articulate why he loved the Lord. So a great question is, can you? I can articulate for you this morning why I love my wife. That would be very easy for me to do, which I'm not going to do because that's me and her. But I could, I could literally give you, I could preach for three hours. I mean, everything that we've been through together, all the ways that she's proven herself to me, all the ways that she's earned my love and my loyalty and my respect and been all those things to me, I can articulate for you why I love my wife. I can articulate for you this morning Anna, Sophia, Lillian, and Ava. And each kid, I could articulate for you exactly why I love them. I mean, there's details, there's breakdowns to what I think of each one of them. You know, I could go through this room, and those of you that have been here for any length of time at all, and I could articulate what it is about you that I love and appreciate. But all those little details aside, it's just, I love you. So do you love the Lord? Okay, yes. All right, so since you love him, can you articulate it? The psalmist can. Look at these things. He says, I love the Lord because he heard me, because he heard my voice. <laughs> I could stop and preach for three hours. 
You know how important it is that God hears you? You know how important it is to listen to somebody when they speak if you love them? God loves you and He hears your voice. That literally, literally blows my mind that the God of the universe would listen to me. Man, I appreciate that about God. But, but that's not all. It says, he hears my voice. Look at verse number two. He hath inclined his ear unto me. To incline means to, be feel, to feel favorably disposed towards someone or something. My wife got the girls' shirts for Christmas. One said, I'm the favorite. The next one says, everyone knows I'm the favorite. No. I'm the favorite. No, I'm the favorite. Everybody knows I'm the favorite. What about then? Then everyone knows I'm the favorite, the baby, right? I hope they all feel that way. That's literally how I want them all to feel, like I'm dad's favorite. Great, I'm glad you think that. You are my favorite first, you are my favorite second, you are my favorite third, you are, that's my favorite 20-year-old, my favorite 18-year-old, my favorite, that's exactly, see what I'm saying? I, I, I want them to feel that way. You know what I want them to feel like? I want them to feel like I feel favorably disposed to them. You know what God feels about you? He feels favorably disposed to you. He doesn't just hear you. He sees all the things about you. Listen, I preach to you all the time on the bad, right? So is it okay this morning if I talk about the other side of this thing? You know what God can do? God can sit down and say, all right, um, let me tell you everything about him that I like, everything about him that's his strengths. I want you to see all the good things about him. I recognize these strengths in this individual's lives. I love that child. He inclines unto you. He leans your direction. Listen, you might not think God thinks much of you. You might not feel like God cares about you, but I'm telling you something about God this morning. He'll hear your prayers, and he will look at you and notice things about you everybody else overlooks, and nobody he recognizes the rest of this world might break you down and beat you up and kick you in the teeth every day of your life but God will look and he'll lean that direction and he'll notice things about you that he'll say I can do something with that if they'll only give their heart to me I can do something with that he inclines unto you man I love him for that you know God saw stuff in me nobody else saw I'm not being a baby or feeling sorry for myself at all. I mean it at all. To a, in a sense, I almost take pride in it. But I had a whole lot of older men that really didn't care for me at, at all when I was a young man. I'm still young. I know all of you in your 60s and 70s, I already get it, I'm a kid. To the rest of you, when I was a young man, I had a bunch of older guys that did not care for me. You know what? Looking back, I'm embarrassed. I see why. Now I'll never forget one older guy. When I was getting run out of the Bible college and every one of the professors all the way up to the highest levels at that place could not stand me. All the older men, I think, saw me as a threat. All the older men literally turned on me. There was one older guy who was a military vet who was a roughneck, who was old school, 
who was on his knees in prayer and in the Bible all the time that saw me and said, I can make something out of this kid. He noticed, he noticed good things about me. It didn't mean he shied away from telling me the truth that I needed to hear or trying to knock the rough edges off of me a little bit. But you know what? He inclined to me. He felt favorably disposed to me for whatever reason. And I'm standing before you this morning because somebody loved me. God, of course. But somebody God used in my life to love me and invest in me and be willing to try to give a kid a chance. See, that's inclining. Man, I love that about God. That man showed God to me. Notice something else about God in verse 5. He's gracious and righteous and merciful. I love God for being gracious. He's so powerful and so big. He's so righteous and so holy. And I'm so small and so little. I'm so, I'm so far from being righteous and I'm so far from being holy that I'm so glad that that powerful and holy and righteous and almighty God has in His character grace and, and mercy on a little sinful man. I love Him for that. I don't, I, I just, I, I don't know that I could love God. Excuse me for this. I don't know that I could love God that wasn't merciful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it's probably my sinful heart, my rebellious nature, but, but I, I've kind of got this idea like, you know what? You know, if, if that's how it is, just kill me now. Let's just go. If you're just that implacable, I'm not going to back off. Let's just, let's just, and it's the mercy and the grace and the love of God that broke me. And I remember the day and time, and I ain't sharing it with you, but I was 21 years old. I remember the day and time when God broke me with the fact that he's actually merciful and gracious, that got to me more than his judgment. I deserved the judgment, and I was ready to take it like a man and go out in all my arrogant pride. And when he, when God flipped the tables on me and showed me he could break my back, but he'd rather not, That just melted me. I love God for being merciful and gracious and righteous. Look at verse 4. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. I love God for the fact that he's a deliverer. Look at verse 8. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. You know what God is? He's a deliverer. I love the fact that God's a deliverer. Not only does he deliver you from hell, that's what he sent Jesus Christ to do because you can't make it into heaven on your own, period, the end of the discussion. Your good works will not outweigh your bad works. Do you understand that? You're going to split hell wide open without Jesus Christ. He sent his son to deliver you from hell. But it goes beyond just deliverance from hell. Then he shows up as a deliverer throughout your life. You know one of the things the Lord's delivered me from? Me. I'm a self-destruct kind of guy. And you know what the Lord's done? He's delivered me from me. I love the Lord for that. Another one, he preserves. Look at verse 6. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. 
You know what the Lord does? He keeps you in his service. You know why I'm standing right here, right now, this morning? Because of God. I will 100% guarantee every one of you, no matter what you think you know about me, I am not strong enough, I am not holy enough, I am not in love with God enough to be here today. When I look back on my life, I am telling you the only reason I'm still serving Jesus Christ today is because of Jesus Christ. It is not because of me. Man, I love him for keeping me at it. If I didn't know he could keep me at it, I would quit now. Look at verse 6. Another reason I love the Lord. He says in uh, verse 6, he has showed his people the power of his, of, of his works. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. I knew that was wrong. That's why. Thank you. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. I already showed you that. Excuse me. The second thing in verse 6 is he preserves and he helps. You know what I've needed from time to time? I've needed help. And you know what the Lord's always done for me? He's always helped me. I love him. I love him. I'm thankful for him. I wouldn't want to try to live my life without him. Because I'm telling you, all the bad things that have happened to me would have happened to me without the Lord. And I'll be willing to bet you this. I'll tell you this. I'll say it boldly without apology more bad things would have happened to me than have happened to me if it wasn't for the Lord. You following that? So guess what? I love the Lord. Look at verse 12. So since I love the Lord, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? You love the Lord this morning? You say amen to everything I've showed you about how good God is? All right, so what should that love produce in my life? Because we all know that we don't really know how to love the Lord. Right? I mean, honestly, what does that look like? Well, you go to church, they're going to tell you it looks like you got to tithe. They're going to say, here's the list of rules and all the do's and don'ts that you have to do to be a good, clean Christian, and if you can do all these things, then you're a good Christian. I'm telling you this morning, take all the little rules that they give you, chuck them out the window, and let's see what God says about what do I render to the Lord for all of his benefits. Because what I want this morning, what I want to do is I want to set you free to serve the Lord from a heart that loves the Lord. I don't want to burden you with a bunch of do's and don'ts and all this kind of stuff that's religious hogwash. Can I tell you something? If you'll love the Lord out of the depths of your heart and serve him because you love him, everything else will work itself out in time. All those things that you can look at and say, I love the Lord, but I, I love the Lord, but I should. I love the Lord, but I shouldn't. All that stuff will take care of itself if you just focus on, I love the Lord, and there's some good reasons to love the Lord. So now what am I going to render to the Lord because of all of his benefits toward me? He, is, he has benefited me greatly. Look at verse number nine. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. You know what I'm going to render to the Lord? I'm going to render a walk in a preserved path. He said, I will walk before the Lord. Since the Lord's been so good to me, since the Lord is so lovable, 
Since the Lord has done all these things, I mean, we love Him because He first loved us. There's not a person in the room that loves God because you're a good person. There's not a person in the room that loves God because you're so spiritual. There's not a person in the room that loves God because you have anything to be commended about on your own. If you love God, you love Him because of Him. You don't love Him because of you. That's religion. I love God because he first loved me. And so as since I love the Lord and since he's been so good to me, I want to walk before the Lord in my life. I mean, I want every step of my day, every step of my life, from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed at night, I want every step that I take to be consciously aware of Almighty God and what God wants me to do and where God wants me to go and what the next step is that God wants out of my life. You might ask, preacher, do you do that? That's between me and God. We're not talking about that this morning. None of us have arrived. But the goal in my life is to take every step of my day, every step of my life, everything that I do, everything I listen to, everything I watch, everything I think about, every decision that I make, I want it to be before the Lord. Where's he at in your priority list? You fitting God in when you want or when you can? Something's wrong with your ticker. You understand what I'm saying? I'm diagnosing you this morning. You got some heart problems. When we love the Lord and we recognize His love for us, then it's not a burden to walk with Him. It's not some kind of a superstitious, mystical, a holy rolling, talking all this fruity talk like you hear nowadays in church. That's not reality. Reality is life is hard. Reality is problems come. Reality is there's good days and there are bad days. But every day that I have is a day that I can give to God and He walks with me through that day. That makes love powerful. Love's not... Forgive me for a second, okay? Love's not really powerful the first time you slip and say it because you're just overflowing with bubbly, like, stuff. You know what I mean? My dad always called it puppy love. It used to make me so mad. It was puppy love. Why you always got to put us down? I'm an adult now, too, you know? But I get what he was saying. Love deepens and gets more powerful when you love through good and through bad. When you sustain a faithful relationship in spite of quitting points. I want to walk with my life before the Lord. But it's not just before the Lord, it's also before men. I worry about my testimony. I don't worry about my reputation. Do you know there's a difference, right? What's the difference, preacher? The difference is your social media feed. That's your reputation. What you actually are, that's your testimony. I want my testimony to be right before the Lord and before men. I'm rendering to the Lord what I owe Him. I'm His, right? I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Do you love God? then it does matter how you represent him to the world around you. That's why I don't believe in sitting at the bar and having a Coke while they have a beer because I want to reach them. I don't believe in it. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you, I think it's a fraud. I'd rather say, well, guys, you're welcome to come over, but please don't bring your six-pack, not to my house. I'm still your friend. Can we be friends without it? All of a sudden, they're not your friend anymore. 
Oh, I thought you were my friend. I didn't realize we had something in common. I thought we were actually friends. He says, I'll walk before the Lord. My walk with the Lord comes first. You know that? It's number one in my life. Before my wife. Before my children. Before my church. It's me and Him. It's in verse 6. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and He helped me. How did He help me? He was right next to me the whole time. Look at Psalm chapter 73. Great Psalm. Psalm chapter 73. Watch this. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were already gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death and their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They're corrupt and speak wickedly. Concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return thither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, Hath God known, and where is the knowledge of the Most High? In other words, well, I mean, what God? Look at all you're going through. And... I do what I want, nothing bad comes of it. What God? Okay, yeah, you got all that God stuff. I know God's going to get me, God's going to judge me, yeah, whatever. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, while they're increasing in riches, what am I doing? I cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They're utterly consumed with terrors. You know what he said? He's saying, when I looked at all the injustice in the world, When I got sideways and bitter towards God, when I got upset with the Lord, my foot almost slipped. And can I tell you this morning, I know I'm not harping on you for being bitter. I have been so bitter, I can't even describe it to you. I had somebody ask me not long ago, said, "Uh, uh, brother, are you bitter? And I said, no. He said, why not? How can you say that? I said, because I was. I know what it feels like. By the time I was 15 years old, I was so ate up with bitterness, I, you wouldn't even, I don't even want to get into it. I know the pain of bitterness. I know the pain of feeling like, that ain't right, that ain't fair, that ain't just. 
I know the pain of looking and watching other people not try to serve God or say they're serving God when they aren't serving God and the truth comes out later about what they really are. And you start sitting there going, really? My foot had well nigh slipped. You know why I'm standing here this morning? It ain't because of Mike Reagan. It's because of a loving God in heaven who is patient with me, who loved me, who watched me struggle, who let me struggle. I am so thankful that God has allowed me to struggle. You know why? Because I've learned that it's that God who can help me keep my feet on the right path. I want to walk with him. I can't do it. He loves me enough to do it for me. If I love him. That's why I asked you at the beginning of the message, I was setting you up. Do you love the Lord? Yeah, I love the Lord. Okay. Then walk with him. I can't walk with him. Right, exactly. Do you love him? Then stay by him. Because he'll keep you in the fight, boy, and you don't have what it takes to stay in it by yourself. I'm not very strong. Good. Just love the Lord. I don't know if I can do it. Good. I'm glad you said that. I don't think I can live up to it. I'm really glad to hear you say that. I don't think I can ever be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I don't think I can ever be there passing out those gospel tracts. Good. I'm glad to hear you say all that. That's wonderful. Do you love the Lord? Has the Lord been good to you? Can you recognize His goodness? Then if you love the Lord and you can recognize His goodness, then, then today, just today, I'm only asking you about today. Today can you walk with Him? Can you one moment at a time just say, Lord, I'm yours and, and I'm going to do what I can today to continue walking with you today? Because if you'll do that today and then do it again tomorrow and then do it again the next day, you'll be shocked at where He'll take you and the things He'll get your feet through. You look at it on your own, you ain't going to do it. Psalm 116, I'll walk a preserved path, not only before the Lord, but also before men. Look at verse number 13. Psalm 116, 13. Not only will I walk with the Lord a preserved path, but I'll willingly take that precious cup. Look at verse 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Have you taken the cup of salvation? Sure. I, that's a great cup to drink from. Amen. Man, what am I going to render the Lord because of all His due benefits? Listen, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, do you know God's been very good to you? My life's been hard. No, none of that's the Lord. You don't know what people have done to me. Yeah, okay. Sinful people not following the Lord. You know what the Lord's been to you? He's been good to you. You know what you ought to do? You ought to drink of his cup of salvation. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> you know what I'm going to render to the Lord? What he paid for. You know what he paid for? He paid for my soul's salvation. If you're not saved, he already bought you. He already went to hell for you. He took your sin upon himself on the cross of Calvary, descended. That's why three days and three nights. You know, Easter Sunday? Easter Sunday is the fact that he rose again after he died three days and three nights beforehand. There's a process there. 
You know what that process was? It was taking your sin upon himself, taking your sin down into the center of the earth, putting your sin in hell, rising again the third day, so that if you come to him as the Savior, your sins have already been paid for, and your sins, past, present, and future, your sins are already eternally burning in hell for you. How about that? Drink of that cup! Lord, I'll take that salvation that you've offered to me. We'll talk some more about it tonight, but the Catholic Church tells it's receiving Jesus, you know, the golden cup. That's actually a total fraud. Just take what the Lord gave you, that living water, not wine, not blood, that living water. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, most of you have already done that, right? So I'm preaching to the choir for the most part. So let me ask you a question. The cup of salvation. You got the helmet of salvation on you? Did you know it's part of your armament as a Christian? It's part of your defense? In other words, since you're saved, are you living like it? You ought to taste of the cup of serving God. I want to encourage every last one of you, if you've never tasted of that cup, you ought to taste of that cup. I mean, this morning you ought to give yourself to God more fully than you've ever given yourself to Him before because it is an awesome thing to serve the Lord. It is the most exciting life anybody could live. Whatever's been presented to you by the modern-day religious circles or modern-day preachers, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, listen, serving God is absolutely awesome. You would not believe the amount of ways you'll get to see God work. The amount of things you'll see God do for you. I'm talking about a God that hears and answers prayer. I'm talking about a God that inclines his way towards you. I'm talking about a God that delivers you. I'm talking about a God that helps you. I'm talking about a God that preserves you. I'm talking about a God that fills your heart with joy and with love, unspeakable and full of glory. That's right. It's a love like you can't find in this world. It's a love you can't escape from. It's fulfilling. It's exciting. It's everything the world is trying to present to you in a mimicking fashion. You can find every bit of it in a personal relationship with the God that saved you. Your salvation is a precious thing. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We always go godliness. There's like godliness and then there's my life. No, God's practical and real. And he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know what God's given me? God has given me absolutely everything that I need. I'm a man at at, at, at the ripe young age of 46 years old. Like how I said that? You'll get it later. That can stand here and tell you that in life, I have everything I need. And nothing I have have I got on my own. Not one thing. Well, you know, you wanted a boy. Yeah, I know. We did. We tried four times. (laughs) Then we tapped out. Amen. (laughs) And this morning I can honestly look you in the eye and say, I don't want a boy. When I look at my four girls, I'm like, which one would you turn into a boy? Not one. And if they try, I will end them. (laughs) 
I love them just like they are. And I hate those stupid apps that try to make them prettier and all that stuff. Delete that junk, folks. Just like they are. You know what God knew? God knew what Mike Reagan needed when he gave me Grace Reagan and Anna and Sophia and Lillian and Ava. Guess what else God knew? God knew what Mike Reagan needed when he gave me you. Because I've told you before, and please don't take it wrong, but I didn't want to be here. You don't have time for all the reasons why I don't want to be here and all the just reasons I had to tell God why this was the wrong place and the wrong time and all the rest of that stuff. I wanted out of here. I lived in seven states from the time I was 17 till 30. Seven states. I moved over 13 times. I've held over 20 jobs. That preacher that I told you about that loved me when everybody else saw what a stinking jerk I was, hopping around from state to state, couldn't submit to any authority, wanted to fight everybody that looked at me, bitter and angry and mean and nasty. And he looked at me and saw something that nobody else saw. And he said, you got to put your roots down, boy. And it bugged me. He said, you keep blowing around like a tumbleweed, you're never going to grow. you got to put your roots down. And I'm like... Slow down, man. God will take care of you. God's called you to preach, Mike. I'm telling you, you're a preacher, boy. I'm telling you, listen to me, you're a preacher. Now, slow down. God will put you in the ministry. He passes away. I'm 30 years old. Some of the stuff he put into me begins to sink into my soul. Some of the advice he gave me before he died was used in making the decision to wind up here. It was all God. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? It was all God. The building's packed out this morning. And I got a great church family. And God knew what I needed. And I didn't. By the way, sorry when I've said I don't want to be a pastor. It's just a fact I didn't. I love pastoring. I'm actually starting now after 16 years, I think, to actually in my heart, whether you see it or not, in my heart, I'm becoming a pastor. God's, God's still working that stuff on me. What I'm trying to tell you is the Lord, He knows what you need. If you don't need to be a pastor, God knows that. And He knows that being a pastor will destroy you. So He don't want you to be a pastor. He wants you to be what you are. He wants to take what you are and change it. That's the power of his love. That's the cup of salvation. Well, preacher, you don't understand. I've messed up my whole life and the, the, the kids and the, the divorce and the this and the that. You don't understand the power of his love. You don't understand the miraculous power of salvation. Whatever mess has been created, don't you realize God can take you where you're at And in a relationship with one that loves you from where you are, he can bring out the best possible result with what you have. Do you understand that's wisdom? Wisdom's not, well, if I was wise, I wouldn't have made this mess. Okay, okay, whatever. Wisdom is taking the circumstances that I have and bringing out of those circumstances the best possible result that can be brought with what I have to work with. Does that make sense? He, 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 he's, he's got like, the, like, a, like, a, like a PhD in fixing messes. He's like the best in the universe at taking messes and bringing good out of bad. Because he's a loving God. 
He takes all your pains and all your brokenness and all your bitterness and all the things that you have justifiably to be hurt over and he says, give all that to me because I love you because I see in you what nobody else sees in you and I can make something out of this because I love you. He does something else. The cup of salvation. Why do we take our salvation and put it on a shelf and get it out on Sunday when we feel like it? Why do we drink of the cup of this world? Do you know part of the cup of salvation is the cup of suffering? Matthew 20 says, can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? He's, oh, you're going to drink of the cup. You know what my life is versus that I may know him, Philippians 3.10, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. I resent that verse. Seriously, I'm not joking. I resent that verse. In my flesh, not in my heart or my spirit. Because when I saw that verse, I was reading my Bible many years ago, a preacher said you should have a life verse, a verse that God spoke to you out of that's something you anchor yourself in and that's your personal verse for life. So I was praying about it, and I'm reading through there. It says, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. I thought, man, that's good. I want to know him. That's what I want to know. I want to know God. And I want to know the power of the Christian life, the cup of salvation. I don't want to live a two-faced life. I don't want to live a weak life. I don't want to live a sinful, regret-filled life. I want to live a life full of joy and love and the proper fruits of God's Holy Spirit in me and in the people around me. I, I, just, want, I just want that. Because I've seen what a cotton-picking mess this world is. And the mess that gets created with sin. I don't want it. I know what it feels like to be brokenhearted. Yeah. I know what it feels like to have people that ought to love you that don't love you. I don't want it. And I don't want to be that to anybody else that's relying on me. You understand? The problem with that verse is, if you're really going to know him, the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't like that. It's the cup of salvation. So when you're going through a hard time, this isn't personal, guys. This is the passage, right? I'm not making it up. The Lord lines this stuff up. I'm sorry. I wish sometimes he didn't, but I just got to deliver what he gives me to deliver, okay? When you're going through a bummer of a time, He'll walk with you through it. He'll fellowship with you through it. He'll love you through it. And he'll make you better because of it. Isn't that wild? Man, what a God. So I'll willingly take that cup. Why? Because he loves me so much, I'm going to render to him what he's given me. My wife and I were talking about our parents on the way here. And we were talking about what a blessing it is to be second-generation Christians. It's me and her. We're talking about how thankful we are for our moms and dads, all four of them. What a blessing, man. God's allowed us to raise our kids so far in church, and if anything good is coming out of it, do you know why? Somebody gave us some benefits. They, they raised us in church. They were first-generation Christians on both sides of the family. Our parents were. Our parents, all four of them, beat themselves up 
feeling like they could have done a better job or whatever. They've all said something to us somewhere along the line, well, we wish we would have. I think first-generation parents often feel that way. But you know what they did? They did the best they knew how to do. Yeah, I love all four of them. And as a result, you know what I owe them? I owe them to take the jump start they gave me and pour myself even more into my walk with the Lord and the Word of God and do a better job than I could have ever done without what they gave us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Got some benefits, man. What should you do with those benefits? Well, walk before the Lord properly and willingly drink of that cup. Embrace what God's given you and do something with it. Look at my last point and we'll go. Verse 14. He said, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. What am I going to give God because he loves me so much? I'm going to walk before him in a preserved path. I'm going to willingly drink that precious cup and I'm going to wholly and passionately pay my vows. That's what I want to do since he loved me so much. Notice that vow. He says, I'll pay my vows now in the presence. You know what that vow was? When they take a vow in the Old Testament, they had to give a drink offering as a free will offering. They didn't, it's, it's free will. Give it as you will. You know what he's saying? I'm going to willingly, voluntarily give something precious to God because he's so precious to me. He's not asking for anything. He doesn't need anything. He is God. I am nothing. I can hardly figure my own life out. I can hardly control my own emotions and thoughts. I can hardly figure out how to get through what I got to get through in life. You understand that, right? That's why you need a preacher, a pastor, and not a priest. You need another guy who's married and struggling with life and kids and everything else just like you are, bills, all the rest of that stuff. That's reality. What are we going to offer Almighty God? Nothing. He needs nothing. So you know what I want to do? I want to take the most precious thing that I have. What's the most precious thing I got? It's, it's life. It's, it's a family. It's a church. It's, it's what, everything that means anything to me. I want to take what I've got and say, Lord, I know you didn't ask for this, but here it is. It's all yours. I'm voluntarily pouring it out. Nobody's making me be here. Nobody's forcing me to pastor. I promise you, I'm perfectly capable of getting a job outside of the church world and, and being very happy and very successful at it. Excuse me, it sounds arrogant, but I, I, I'm sure that I could. Do you understand what I mean? I've already proven that before I got here. I'm not here because I have to be here. I get to do this. It's a free will offering. Think about Elijah. You remember when he went after the prophets of Baal? Yeah. Do you guys realize what was going on in the nation at the time? There was a massive drought, yeah. right? Once the prophets of Baal got through doing all their shenanigans that meant nothing, like all the modern-day Christianity is just so much a bunch of show. Yeah. Once they got through doing all that, there's an old cranky, disregarded, disrespected, socially unacceptable, crude, rough guy named Elijah, who passionately, passionately loved God, who was faithfully walking with God, 
who was personally drinking the cup that God gave him to drink day to day in his life. And it was his turn. And he gets up in front of the whole place and he says, bring me 12 barrels of water. Water? That is a precious commodity right now. People are dying because of the drought. What are you doing? Look, God's not that crazy. God wouldn't ask you to do that. Why are you being so weird? I mean, why do you go back on Sunday night? What's wrong with you? Why are you in that cult? I mean, what kind of a cultist would, would, would pour out water right now? He said, I want it. God didn't ask me to do this. I'm not saying the religion requires this. The most precious thing I've got is water. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that water and I'm going to dump it all over this sacrifice that's supposed to burn. I want so much water on there that it doesn't just cover the sacrifice, it fills the trenches all the way around. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to say, all right, God, I gave you, I performed my vow, I gave you the most precious thing I got. Now would you be pleased to accept it? A fire from God comes down out of heaven. Pow! Hits that altar, burns that thing up, licks up all the water in the trenches all the way around. And boy, it's the God of heaven, man. Because a guy took the most precious thing he had and said, this doesn't make any sense and you're not asking for it, but I want you to know I love you. And I trust you. And if I die of dehydration, but I die going out, and as I'm going out, you look at me and you say, what a precious life. He died because he gave me everything he had. Ain't that what his son did? Yes, sir. Precious in the sight of the Lord. It's in the passage. Is the death of his saints. Yeah. Worst thing that could happen to you. God says, look at that precious thing. And here's the wildest thing about this story, and I'm done. Wildest thing is, after all that love for God, I'm jealous for the Lord of hosts and I'm alone and I'm standing against the whole country and I'm pushing against the system and nobody's with me and I'm proving to you that I'm with you and you're not blessing it. He hears, uh, she's going to take your head off because you killed her prophets. And he snaps like a dry twig. Slaughtered hundreds of men that day. Stood up against God, unbelievable. Wow, look at him. And got to a breaking point. And when he got to the breaking point, he broke. And what broke him was a rumor from a woman. Most unexpected failure. You know what he does? He takes off and he goes and he crawls back in the back of the cave and he sits down. And I imagine in his thoughts are, look at you, man. God forgot you. You cracked and you're weak. You failed. Your foot fell. You slipped. You're done. God's done with you. God put you on a shelf. It's over. Your foot slipped. You doubted him. After all that, you failed. Look at you sitting back here. I'm sure the devil showed up. God's done with you. Now, you know what the Lord does? The Lord comes by with a, with, a, with a strong wind and rends the mountain and the earthquake and all the rest of that stuff. And then a still, small voice. Hey, Elijah, what are you doing back there, bud? Hey, Elijah, it's me. You're talking to me? Me, the failure. Me, the guy that messed up again, supposedly loved you so much. Me, the guy that, you know, the great mighty Elijah. Yes, Elijah, it's me. And I told you I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
Come on out here. Oh, you're done with me. No, Peter, I'm not done with you. You love me more than these? Well, I just denied you. Lord, you know I love you. And I cursed you. And I ran away from you to save my own skin in your worst moment. (laughs) Peter, it was never about your love for me. It's about my love for you, bud. And in spite of it, if you'll come here, I'll take you and I'll use you in ways you have no idea your life ain't over. I'm going to pour it out on you. It was that love that got Elijah out of the back of the cave, got him back in the fight. And then God gives him an end, an early end, with the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He was cut off early. Yeah, but the love of God got him through, and he was able to pass on something to Elisha. Elisha went out and did double the miracles and double the work and double the length of the ministry. But who is the greater prophet? I don't know. I mean, when you look at it from a human perspective, it's Elisha. But boy, preachers preach a whole lot more on Elijah than they do Elisha. Yeah, true. You know what it was? You know what the powerful thing was in Elisha's life? It was the love. But it wasn't even his love for God. It was God's love for him. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You don't need to wait for the pianist. My prayer for you is that some way special this morning, some way special that only God can do, that he'll show you how much he loves you. And that that love will ring through into your mind and heart and soul in spite of you in a way that will help you walk with him, in a way that will help you drink of that cup,